If you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 1. We're going to continue our series called God With Us. If you need a Bible or you uh, need a little bit of time to open up your app, we're going to take a minute to get there. But there's a Bible underneath the seat if you need one. And if you don't own a Bible, take that one. Take that one. That can be your gift to you today. Take that one. You don't have to feel like you're stealing it. We're going to give it to you. And so just take it. We have plenty in the back. Uh, We want you to have a Bible because we believe that the the Bible is the word of God and that God has spoken to his people. He has spoken to his people with authority and that every word in scripture is inspired by him. And so we want you to be connected to that. We want you to have his word that God has not left us or abandoned us. He's actually with us. And this is really the key thing theme that we're trying to convey uh, through this series. Have you ever received a puppy for Christmas? Anybody? Right? Yes? Morgs? Did you receive it like in a, was it, did it come in a box or a basket or? With a pretty bow, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Box, basket, like, like, yeah. If you if you haven't received one for Christmas, you've probably seen the commercials for sure. It's the super cuddly, fuzzy little ball of, of fur with the, yeah that bow. Look at how cute! Oh, isn't that something? Yeah. And so, yeah, these things, uh, uh, it doesn't stop there. I mean, these things are adorable. They, 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 you get them. You want to play with them. It, it, everybody, like, is attracted to them. Uh, the puppy typically steals the show, doesn't it? Like, Christmas is now taking over, and the puppy is there. The Christmas now belongs to the puppy. And the, and the people can't just keep puppies to themselves. Isn't that not right? You've got to go share it with people. And so you're passing the puppy around the family. Everybody wants to play with the puppy. And when that kind of wears out, you actually want to take it to see your friends and your neighbors. You want to show the puppy off. You know, joy is kind of like receiving a puppy. It just is. You can't, I mean, it doesn't matter what what circumstance you're facing that day. If you have a cute little puppy, it brings joy until it grows up, right? Until the puppy is no longer a source of joy and they're just a source of cleaning up and feeding and and cuddling. But but the puppy is, like having a puppy is like that. Like joy just overflows uh, when you're excited about something. When it's just so cute, it's so innocent, and you want everybody else to know about it. And you want as many people as you can to to experience that same joy. The joy bubbles over and touches everyone it comes in contact with. Joy is what we're celebrating on this third Advent Sunday. We talked about it here, and the Stevensons presented the Advent candle. Uh, so awesome, and thank you for doing that. And so, but if you haven't been here, the, and, or if you're not familiar with the word Advent, Advent simply means coming. It means coming or arrival. It's the season, this season is marked with expectation. It's marked with waiting and anticipation and, and longing for something. The, the Christians would, would or, or God's people would long for Christ's coming. And this is the Advent that we celebrate. Advent is not an extension of Christmas. It is the season that connects the past to our present and to the future. That Advent looks back in the celebration of the hope fulfilled in Christ's first coming. We, so, we, so we look back and, and, and that has been fulfilled. We look today, presently, that we believe the Holy Spirit is coming and applying the work of Jesus into people's heart, coming into people's lives, literally, that Advent is happening right now. 
People are going to be saved. On, on January 18th, we're going to have baptisms because God is coming into the lives of people. And we as a church need to be anticipating this all the time, not just at Christmas time. This is the hope that we have. We, like Pastor Dave said, are the hope of the world for Jesus, that we are the hands and feet of Jesus, and Jesus is making his way into people's hearts today. And so we wait in anticipation for more people to come. And so if you're part of this church or, or you're new here, we have in your back seat pockets a, a little bookmark called, and it says you're one. We want everybody, if you haven't taken one, to take one. And, and that you could, because you're responsible for your one. God says to go love your neighbor, right? And I can't love your neighbor because he's not my neighbor. He's your neighbor. And so who is your neighbor? And that one helps you minister and love and to serve your neighbor, but Advent is, looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation of the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. This is the, the greatest thing because we live in a, a, a world right now that is just chaotic, isn't it? It's marked with suffering. It's marked with pain. It's marked with, with all kinds of things. And so, but we as Christians have this eternal hope that we are also waiting for, that Christ has not abandoned this earth. He's not abandoned, God has not abandoned uh, the first reason for, for, for even creating the earth, like humans were created for earth. And God intends to rebuild this earth. That a new Jerusalem is going to come and he's going to gather his people and he is going to establish his kingdom here on earth. And we as Christians, those who believe and put their faith in Jesus, will be part of this kingdom. And so we, as bad as it may get on this side of heaven, it's, that's as bad as it's going to get. And so when it gets bad, we have reason to rejoice because we anticipate this isn't the end. There's more to the story. And that we have this et <clears throat> eternal hope that Christ has secured for us on the cross. And his resurrection was the proof that this too will come to be and come to pass. That the new kingdom will happen. Jesus walked this earth after he died a brutal death on the cross as a substitution there for us. As a sacrifice for us that we could be forgiven and reconciled back to God. And, and, and gain entrance as, an, as sons and daughters with this inheritance that Jesus secures for us uh, through the resurrection. And, and one day we will be part of this kingdom. And so however bad it gets, however bad life gets, and whatever life throws you in this side of heaven, it's as bad as it's going to get. But we have a tremendous hope to carry us through, and it's based in, in, in joy. During Advent, we wait for both. It's an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. And each week, we focus on a different attribute of God representing in the coming of Jesus. And so the first week, we talked about hope, the, the hope that we find in Jesus. Last week, we talked about the love of God, that we need these things. We need hope. We need lasting hope. We need lasting love. And today, we're going to talk about joy. Next week, we'll be talking about peace. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, meaning God with us, he is the embodiment of all these traits who has entered our world and who feel, fulfills all of them in and through us. We provided you some notes in your bulletin, and so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this one down. Joy overcomes our shame. This is the first thing we see here. If you were here on the first Advent Sunday, you remember we talked about Zechariah, uh, Luke chapter 1. 
uh, tells us the story of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Uh, they were parents of John the Baptist uh, who, who, spent, who was sent to prepare a way for Jesus the Messiah. Uh, Zechariah was a priest who received a visit from an angel who told him this. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. Do you see the keyword there, joy? He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now this angel comes and, and, and proclaims this message but the problem is, is that Zechariah and Elizabeth were very, very old and Elizabeth was beyond childbearing age and she had never been able to have a child. So besides the shock of, of like experiencing being visited by an angel, Zechariah couldn't get over the fact that uh, it was actually possible for Elizabeth to have a baby. It was just like, could, could, could this be? And so he questions the angel, and the angel, uh, because of Zechariah's questioning and his lack of faith, the, uh, God takes Zechariah's voice away until the baby was actually born. Today I want to look a little bit closer at Elizabeth because she deeply experienced joy in the midst of these miraculous events that she found herself in the middle of. And this is super important to the story. But to understand Elizabeth's joy, we have to understand a little bit more about her pain. I think this is super important and don't miss this because, because joy will be, will be appreciated and experienced more when we dig into to her story a little bit. You see, for the ancient Jews, children were a tremendous blessing. The psalmist writes this in, in Psalm 172. Children are a heritage from the Lord offspringing a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born to one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. You see, in this culture, children were a blessing, a tremendous blessing, much like they are in ours, but even more so in their day and age. Children allowed family to pass on its name and its heritage. They provided more hands to handle the daily tasks of life. And they also uh, were there to expand their ability to forge a future through their livelihood, uh, by, by, through their craft or their trade or whatever they were doing right most importantly children were viewed as a gift from God and a sign of God's favor to be childless then uh, uh, was a source of great frustration and, and sorrow and shame and Elizabeth would know that what this despair felt like because she was unable to have children in a culture that this is what status is marked by and that God's blessing is upon you is marked by, this has got to be a great source of pain for this family. Most likely, uh, uh, they would, Elizabeth would have married Zachariah as a young teenager and the couple would have hoped to have children right away. Elizabeth probably imagined what it would be like to have her home just filled with kids I'm sure she thought about and even think about the names that she would name her kids and, and maybe she would name them after some of the family that have gone before them and, and to just to live on this legacy of what could be. At first, uh, Elizabeth might have dismissed the fact that she wasn't being able to get pregnant. Maybe she's like, ah, oh, maybe it's just a timing issue. And 
still to no avail, no, no pregnancy. <laughs> or maybe it's like many of you in this room have probably experienced this. Maybe there was a pregnancy. We're not told. But I can't imagine that we're not so far removed from the things that we even deal with today. And so maybe there was a pregnancy. There was this glimmer of hope. And then a month goes by or two months goes by and, and there's a miscarry. We don't know, we're not really told, but, but it can't be too far from reality. These are real people living in a real time, in a real day, in a real age. Maybe she even told people that she was pregnant, but, but then she miscarried and had to deal with that physical and emotional pain. Elizabeth might have dismissed the first one or two as maybe a fluke. We don't know, but it's possible. But as many times as pregnant became, uh, she, she became to know that this wasn't happening. And maybe she is cursed or broken. Or For many of you that know that have gone through that, you know that people come with good intentions to, to share their opinion, don't they? Oh, me and my wife, we tried this and we got pregnant. All really good intentions, but it's super hurtful on the other end. Or even worse, maybe it's something that you're harboring or maybe God is punishing you, which is a lie. But people will say some of those things. People will think those things. Maybe it's you. Maybe you've done something to deserve this. We don't really know the whole story, but, but year after year, Elizabeth's hope slowly died as she came to terms with the fact that, that she's not going to be able to have a child. And so we understand and we begin to understand and, and feel a little bit more of her pain. At some point, the social stigma would have stuck in her life. She's barren, they would call her. It became a shameful and a permanent mark in her life. Elizabeth would have grieved the loss of ever becoming a mother. And that's a tough thing to swallow. She would never be considered worthy or, or esteemed as, as other women in her community. And there's no doubt that, that Elizabeth uh, experienced some happiness as well. I mean, uh, she was deeply involved in community life, uh, especially considering that Zachariah was a priest. You gotta, you gotta really feel the, 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 what's really going on here. She carried this emotional burden, but, but she was faithful and, and loving. And, and, and Luke describes them as this. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. This is how they planned to live the rest of their life in their old age, was to serve God and to serve other people around them. What a beautiful picture of what it means to, be, to, to live in the midst of crisis and pain and disgrace and to go, God, you're still good. And I'm going to obey you. I'm going to honor you in my life in spite of the things that I cannot have. And I'm actually going to use my, my, the, the, the fact that I can't have children to free myself up to serve you, God, and others. What a huge sacrifice. For some of us, celibacy and, and not having children, not having family is something that God wants to bless you with, to free you to go serve and to go do what he has called you to do. People with families can't do that. You're obligated to that family. But here, they spend a lifetime of serving God and serving the people around them. And then God changes everything up. 
On an ordinary day, Zechariah is at work in the temple and the angel Gabriel shows up out of the blue with this miraculous message. Don't be afraid. Your wife's going to conceive a son. What? Wait a minute. This is the direction our life was going and now this is happening? And his faith caused him to be mute. His lack of faith caused him to be mute. He would have had to either write these things down if Elizabeth knew how to read or, or give signs and gestures to, about the news of the angel. Can you imagine? Like, you, you, yeah, you. <laughs> angel from Lord. <laughs> yes, angel, angel, got it. All right. God said I'm fat? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. You're not getting it, right? No, no. Right? Could you imagine however she got the message, she gets the message. But can she really handle the message? Is she really embracing fully what's really going to happen? Does she start to worry? Like, I'm going to become pregnant, but, but what if I lose it again? What, what are, are people going to believe this? It's interesting because this is what she said. Luke's account, it seems like she, she found it pretty much easier to accept. She says this, she says, the Lord has done this for me in the days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In that statement alone, you can hear and feel and see the pain that she has lived with because she's declaring that her disgrace has been removed at this blessing from God. What's curious is that Luke also tells us that Elizabeth spent five months of her pregnancy in seclusion. Like she's still human here. I just feel like this is this, this okay, thank you, Lord Jesus, this is awesome, but I'm going to hang out in the room until I like, start showing. <laughs> because I'm not going out in public anymore. I don't really want to face this if I lose this baby. I, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust you, but I'm going to trust you in seclusion because I can't handle the pain or the rejection anymore. Now it's hyperbole, I'm adding to this, to just add to the story, but I, I have to see this from the human factor. Can you imagine a lifetime of a barren womb? No, we don't really know the circumstances and here she is, she's pregnant and she's, she's obviously human. And, and Luke tells us five months of her pregnancy was spent in seclusion. There's no way of really knowing exactly why. But again, maybe she knew that Nobody would believe this until she started showing or, or maybe she was afraid. Maybe she couldn't bear the loss of the public shame again or, or maybe she was even sharing in her husband's silence as this miracle just happens right in front of their lives. What we do know is that in the sixth month of her pregnancy, Elizabeth experienced a deep encounter with joy brought by the coming of Jesus, whose life had supernaturally sprung up in Mary's womb. As we discussed last week, young Mary left her home shortly after her own angelic visit to stay with her cousin Elizabeth for three months. As soon as she arrived, Elizabeth's baby leaped, the Bible says, in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With the sudden end of her silence and her seclusion, Elizabeth is overjoyed, overflowed with joy here and blessing. Listen to what she said. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. 
But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You see? As soon as the sound of her greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for what? Joy. Blessed is she who has, received, who has believed the Lord will fulfill the promises for her. Like the puppy right now is out the box. <laughs> and joy is just like filled the room, right? Joy is flowing and the shame and the disgrace that once ruled and reigned in her life is now consumed with joy and blessing because God is with them. God is literally with them. Mary bursts into her own song of praise and thanksgiving and she gives words to the miracle that's happening around her. And here they are just consumed with now this joy. Elizabeth gave new voice to what's exactly going on into Mary's life, which, which filled her with joy too. And this is the way joy is. It's contagious. When God comes on the scene, joy just overflows into people's lives. There was joy unleashed on earth because God was with these two women. When Elizabeth gave birth to John three months later, the joy of her miracle spread throughout her village. Look at what Luke tells us in Luke chapter 157. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared in her what? Joy. You can't take that away from Elizabeth because God was with them. Perhaps no greater joy than than that of a mother holding her newborn child. But for Elizabeth, the joy must have been especially overwhelming. A lifetime of wanting and wishing and praying has finally come to pass. She was experiencing a miracle, and it was a miracle that, uh, that healed a lifetime of hurt and pain and disgrace and shame in her community. She would no longer be marked as some stigma in her society. She's now marked with blessing. And the interesting thing is, family, that God allowed this life to be like that in order for her to experience this. Do we see that in the midst of, of our own lives today? Do we actually trust in God's sovereign love for us in the midst of everything that we're going through? Do we even see the forest through the trees? Like what God is actually doing? Do we really see it? And this is my point here, uh, one of my points that I want to make today. What would you and I give for such joy that Elizabeth and, and Mary were experiencing? To see the scars of, uh, and the shame of your life wash, washed away so dramatically, most likely we won't see like an obvious miracle like, like, the, like Elizabeth experienced or especially none of you will see an, a, a miracle that Mary experienced. But there is joy that, we, that, that God offers us and his name is Jesus because Jesus is God with us. Write this down in your sermon notes. Simple but profound. Jesus is the source of our joy. I told you when we talked about love that we are always looking for love in all the wrong places. We're also looking for joy in all the wrong places. But we have joy and his name is Jesus. His life and his joy are ours and it's available for us now. The apostle Peter says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious, what? Joy. 
For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. An inexpressible and glorious joy. Are you experiencing that right now? That's deeper than your circumstances, right? That's deeper than what's going on in your life right now. That is deep stuff. This is deep that runs deeper than our happiness. Boy, we love to be happy. Like we love to be comfortable and we love to be happy here in America, don't we? We love to feel good, but happiness comes and goes as the circumstances around us change, doesn't it? I, I, can, I can, right now, I can do this. I could, I could pull out a treasure chest of money and I can give you all $1,000 a piece and that would make you happy, wouldn't it? You'd be like, man, I love this church and this pastor's super generous. But then I'm gonna have ushers at the door and it's gonna cost you $1,000 to get out. Your happy is subjective, isn't it? It's, it's, it's fleeting. Like you can be happy for, if like birthday parties and balloons make us happy. Uh, happiness comes from our favorite song on, the summer, on a good summer day. <clears throat> a great message from a pastor makes me happy. An encouraging word from a friend will make me happy. Uh, winning the big game. Did, 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 did you guys win last night? Oh yeah, yay Bosco. Happy. If they lost, sad. Is that the source of our joy? Right? The famous Jewish survivor of, the, of a World War II Nazi concentration camp, Viktor uh, Frankl, wrote this in his book called Man's Searching for Meaning. He wrote this. It is the very pursuit of happiness that thwarts happiness. When this is our pursuit, we will not be happy, he's saying. And that is so true. Joy includes happiness, but it runs much deeper. Joy is meant to permeate our souls. In our life, such joy looks like the birth of a child. You can't take that away. It doesn't matter what you're going through. When a child is born, it brings joy, right? Joy is, is that, that diagnosis that, that you're cancer-free and you're never going to have cancer again. That is, is solid joy that no matter what you go through tomorrow will bring you joy. And you could look back at that and you say you have joy. The loved one coming out of a surgery that is completely healed, that is a good source of joy. The day you put your faith in Jesus and are baptized and you enter in to the kingdom of God as a son and a daughter of the king should bring you immense joy. Joy rooted in gratitude, meaning, and hope fulfilled, especially when it's based in a relationship with our creator, that brings us lasting joy. And no one can take that away from you. Joy comes from God being with us and Jesus is the source of our joy and Peter calls it an inexpressible and glorious joy. I don't know how many people in our circle of influence, your one, can say, yes, I experience inexpressible and glorious joy on a daily basis. You know, it doesn't matter what your experience is or what your circumstance is, you can actually confess this if you are a follower of Jesus because your circumstance will never determine your future because God has secured your future in his hands. And as a part of, it's a part of the inheritance of receiving Christ with his life and, and the promise of eternal life beyond this world, you can find deep joy that fills us no matter the pain or whatever we're going through in the midst of our day-to-day -day life. Jesus was talking about his, his coming death and resurrection and how we too would experience suffering. Listen to what he says. So with you. He's saying suffering, so with you. This is going to be you too. Just like me, you're going to suffer. So with you, now is your time of grief. 
but I will see you again and you will what? Rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. You see, when we're looking for, for, for eternal and lasting peace, where are we finding it? Are we finding it in the words of Jesus who says he'll, he will come and, and your joy will never be taken away? Or are we finding it in other things? Success, our kids, <laughs> the world, money. Where is your joy? Where is the source of your joy? As we turn our eyes expectantly to Jesus this Advent season and as we walk with him toward the day that he will come again and fulfill his restorative work, we can experience his joy in the process. And we can know with confidence that even a greater and unending joy awaits every Christian that has placed their faith in Jesus. And if you've been sitting here in the chairs, you're going like, man, I've never experienced this joy. I want to introduce you to Christ. We want to come alongside of you and tell you about this Jesus. We want you to know him and love him and serve him and walk with him. I wrote in the last chapter or the second to the last chapter of the book about suicide. It is like ravaged, especially this time of year. Many of you know that I work for the sheriff department and there's just every single day there's a suicide. In our, in our little southeast L.A. county. I know that most of that is blamed upon mental illness, but I'm telling you, there is this anxiety that is, it is, it is permeating our culture. There's depression that is permeating our culture that is leading people to despair because they don't have this joy. They don't have lasting joy because joy becomes this vehicle to take us through those moments. This lasting joy that we can sink our teeth into because if our life is all about happiness, it's just not always happy. And Jesus said it to us. He says, man, it's, this, this is your time of grief. <laughs> then where's our hope? That we have joy that will never be taken away from us. You see, anxiety is based in, in, in worrying about the future. But I'm telling you here that Jesus is the God over our future and he has secured it for you. Depression is focusing too heavily on the past and, and what you've made it. Jesus wants to redeem you, save you, and cleanse you of all of those things. And he loves you so much that he wants to do that for you and to cleanse you of your past and so that he could redeem your presence, restore you, and bring you into his kingdom. He is close to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit, the Bible says. And you don't have to live in that anymore. And the people around you, maybe you're, you're good. Maybe like, I'm cool. Life is good. I am embracing this joy. I am Jesus, the joy of the Lord is my strength, Nehemiah would say, right? And we rest in what Nehemiah says there, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and I am embracing this. But the people in your, are everybody in your life embracing this as well? Is Jesus the hope? Is the love pouring out of you? And is the joy of the Lord, uh, what is your witness when in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the grief that Jesus talks about. I'm telling you, when we're joyful in the midst of the, that is when the witness, that's when we really become a witness for Jesus. That's when the people around us see that our circumstance is not taking control of us, but we're trusting God in the circumstance who has promised us a future and a hope that can never be taken away. And I long for the joy that will never end. Does that make sense? 
are we that to the people around us? I'm telling you, until we are, until, we're, until we are, the people will not have this, this desire to come to faith in Jesus. Apart from the moving of the Holy Spirit, I mean, God does miracles and saves people all the time, but as Pastor Dave preached to you this morning, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. You are where heaven and earth meets, the church. You are the hope and you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Don't hide your light under a basket. Maybe, maybe here, you just need to hear this and go, maybe you need to embrace the joy of the Lord that is your strength. And that you need to repent of trying to find joy in every other sources that have been letting you down and that you are hopeless, depressed, or anxious. And you need to just settle in and go, Jesus, you are the source of my joy. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank Jesus for that. Sorry up there with your notes. Write this down in your sermon notes. Number three is this. Joy defies our circumstances. I guess we just said this, right? Happiness comes and goes with positive and negative events and experiences in our life, but joy flows deep even in the face of our challenges, our hardships, and our suffering. Joy drawn from Jesus, God with us, sees the bigger picture beyond uh, the immediate pain. This is the big point we're making. James famously says it best in his letter that he wrote to the church. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish the, its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking, not lacking anything. When I was journaling through the book of James, man, I just wanted to confess, I confessed. I'm like, I, do, I, do, I want my circumstances to be removed from me. I don't want them to be a source of my maturity that's going to grow me. And I'm not considering them joy. But when we see that there's nothing that is going to take us and that God is actually forming us and shaping us through this, that he wants to, to us to step outside and see that there's something else bigger going on in our lives, that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will never let us go too far off the path, that these circumstances will never be the end of us, that they're actually meant to mature us. And the maturity comes from understanding that, that circumstances aren't there to make me happy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? And this is where I find my joy. And joy makes me happy. And this joy is contagious. Just as contagious as that cute little puppy that you can't help but share with every single buddy that is around you. And then you're sharing Jesus. Is the, oh my gosh, Jesus is amazing. He loves us. He cares for us. He's forgiven us. He's given his life for us. He's actually rose from the grave. I don't know how many of your puppies have done that. But hey, and then, right? And then he's offered us new life in him. And he is secure. He's adopted us as his children to whom we can cry now to God as our father, as our daddy. And that we gain an inheritance with him in a kingdom that will last forever where there's no more sin, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain, joy. <laughs> joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let all creation sing. Are we singing? Are we singing? Are we that light in the darkness? Joy, understand that there's more that meets the eye. 
that God is always at work even through the tough stuff that we're going through. And eventually that God will make everything right. Everything will be healed. Everything will be whole, including you and I. And that is good news for us. Amen? Because of that, we can experience joy in the here and now no matter what we are going through. If you, if you are receiving uh, emails from us on uh, groups, <clears throat> then you saw that I, I've been shooting out uh, a devotional every single day, Come Let Us Adore Him. And, and I also shot out, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday this quote. Uh, it's kind of long, but because I'm not providing you uh, more detailed notes, I just wanted to send it out in an email. And if you're not getting that email, uh, please update your card as Tim has asked you so that we can include you on the email. But this, there's a pathway to experiencing the joy of Jesus. And here's what I wrote. It says, as we continue to practice opening our hearts to God's spirit, immersing ourselves in his word and aligning our thinking and perspective to his ways, we will experience his spirit working with us, bringing us clarity, understanding and strength to trust and see and act in the joy Jesus provides us. It's a mouthful, but it's true. And it's, but it's a step-by-step pathway of how you can immerse yourself in and, and experience the joy that Jesus gives us. So what circumstances are you facing right now as you journey into this Christmas season? Uh, what are the situations that are robbing you of your joy that Christ offers you today? You need to answer these questions for yourself today. What are the hurts and the pains like Elizabeth seem to rule your life and I don't mean to t- make light of all that you're going through because everybody's pain is, is their own, right? I get it. But, but God, I want to encourage you, God it, it gives you a lasting joy. And can I encourage you to maybe <clears throat> begin to see things as they really are. Begin to see things through the lens of scripture that God may show you the bigger picture. You may not experience a miracle that is clear as Elizabeth, but at Advent and in Christmas, there is a miracle for us all. It's the miracle that God was coming, <clears throat> that God has come to us to be with us in the person of Jesus, to forgive us, to redeem us, to restore us, and to give us a real hope of a real secured future in eternity. Jesus has come and he will come again to, to, to turn the sin that has wreaked havoc in our lives on its head. And he will turn it into good. This will cause even great joy in our darkest days. The message that the angel long ago announced at the arrival of Christ to the shepherds was this. He says this. Somebody needs to hear the words of Jesus today. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great what? Joy for all people. Not some people. Not just the, the, the people who really get it, the people who pray a lot, the people who read their Bible a lot, the people who study like crazy, the, not just the Bible nerds, not just the priests, but all people will experience this joy. The last thing I want to talk about is this. Write this down in your sermon notes. <clears throat> joy is a choice. It really is a choice. Elizabeth was overcome with joy, which spread to Mary. And when, Mary, when, when it did, it began, Mary's expression went like this. Check it out. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me what? Blessed. Boy, those are some crazy words. She chose joy. <clears throat> Do you remember, I think, uh, 
any stripes, uh, Bill Murray stripes, right? Everybody like that movie? I love, yeah. Back, remember the, the sergeant? He would be like, okay, I'm looking for a volunteer, a brave young man to step forward. The mission is going to be dangerous, and, and, but, but I need the courage of a man to, to come and step forward. And then and that person needs to step forward right now. And then in sync, the whole crew goes like this, one step backwards. And there's one person like sitting right there, right? He turns around and he goes, yes, you're the man. I think Mary might have felt just like this. Like she, she could have felt just like this, right? Like, like why God, I don't want to be the mother... She, she might have, if she was asked, she might have been the one that stepped back and left somebody unexpected. But no, she chooses joy. She chooses to embrace what God has for her. She chooses this joy and you too have the, the choice. In a similar way, our own situations, our own seasons, you can do the same. That we can choose joy. We can rejoice. We can embrace the miracle that God is with us. And then we can align our lives with his work and what he wants to do in and through us. Even in the midst of the seasons and situations that we're going through. You can take God with you in all those things. That's what the beauty is of being a Christian is that God is with us. The Bible continually exhorts us about rejoicing. And I think it's because of this. We, as feeble human beings, need to be reminded of it all the time. We need to remind each other of it all the time. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. God tells us in Romans, rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Why would God call us to be patient in affliction and persistent in prayer, rejoicing in hope? Because we're going to need it. Because, he's, because God is not silent about the situations that we're going to be in. <clears throat> we need to be reminded. In Counter Church, let's choose this season. Let's not let another Advent or another Christmas season go by and missing the, the, the deepest sense of joy that, uh, that we are offered through his son, Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for the grace you've given us to be here again. It is just another source, God, of your blessing and your love for us. I thank you for your word, God. I pray, King Jesus, that you will come and rule and reign in our hearts and that we would take your words to heart. That we would, that we would get to know you, that we would immerse ourselves into scripture, that we would, God, allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that we may know, God, the joy that comes from the Lord. I pray for the people in this room right now that are experiencing just a deep and dark place. Lord, may your joy overshadow that. May you walk with them in and through that. And may whatever season we're in right now, God, may we trust you and believe in you. We're so thankful, God, that our eternity is secured in you, Jesus. And through the power of the resurrection, you are restoring lives now and bringing deep and meaningful joy into the lives of all of us. We thank you and we praise you for that. It's in your holy name we pray, amen.